Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code for CHESH. You're listening to CHESH FM, exclusively on the pod station. Welcome everyone to another episode of Chess FM. My name is Matt Pard. I'm the chairman of the club. I'm joined with a, a wonderful array of talent. Uh, we have the gaffer, John Hughes. How are we doing, Yaz? Marvellous. Thank you, Mr P. Uh, we have, uh, I was going to call him the mercurial midfielder, but actually on the basis of his start to the season, he's just our dirty bastard, isn't he, Yaz? It's uh, Connor Porteous, <laughs> the yellow card of the team. That's him, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the intro, Mark. Cheers, mate. That's all right. Uh, and we have our Irish ambassador, uh, Mr. JD. How are we doing, Johnny? Good Thanks, Mark. How are you? What are you drinking there, by the way? It's a chamomile tea. Oh, he's changed. Oh, God. Yeah, Dublin's <laughs> got him now. Lock, lockdown <laughs> in the cosmopolitan <laughs> city's changed him. Are you sure it's not just camel tea? <laughs> Oh, you're thinking of another phrase there, I think, yours. I'm not that rude, especially with my <laughs> wife sitting next to me. <laughs> so, um, we haven't done one of these for ages. We actually meant to do one during lockdown, which is probably a very poor excuse, given we've all been locked in our houses for months and months and months. But never mind, we didn't get to do it. And then the start of the season started, or rather pre-season started, and it's been a hectic pre-season, hasn't it, yours? Uh, we didn't really have a, a moment to, to stop, really. Um, no, I don't think it has stopped. Um, it, it's it's strange, really. We never, we never had any break at all because um, lads were off and then we started doing our social distance and painting and other bits and bobs around the club and, and whatever to help out. And then when we were allowed to um, train in groups of six Socially distancing, of course. Um, we went right into that, and of course, then um, Mr. Johnson, in his wisdom, decided to allow up to thirty people to train together and play friendlies. And there we've gone, and we've just rolled right into it. Well, I suppose we should pick up really and just have a quick chat about the preseason because we'll come on to the start of the season in a moment. JD, you haven't had the... I suppose you've had the luxury of watching all the highlights on Chesh TV, I guess. Um, so, um, we'll start with the pre-season friendlies, Connor. It was a it was a hectic schedule, um, and we had an awful lot of players to, to choose from and to battle for, for the places. So, uh, 
How did you think pre-season went? Um, well, in terms of obviously all the training we've done before, it's like the longest pre-season you'll ever have. You know, we were training for two or three months and then loads of games. I think as soon as it was announced you could have games, everyone was scratched around for a friendly state. Weren't they? But like you say, I think with having all the training, we attracted loads of players, loads of players wanted to come down, which is great. But then obviously it was a nightmare trying to pick the team. So then you were sort of one team first half, second half up. I thought in the end, actually, that's that was a good thing because we had so many games. Um, if you'd have been playing full 90 two, three times a week as a pre-season, you, you know, it would have been probably too much. So, as pre-seasons go, I don't think you'll ever get a better pre-season uh, ever again. So, spot on, really. We, we picked some quite challenging friendlies, didn't we, yours, against teams in higher divisions to give lads a, a benchmark of what they need to be aiming for. Um, should we have given them some games where they could have thrashed a few teams? Do you think, or or is that the right way of doing it? Um, I don't think so. I think mostly the choice of opposition uh, was deliberately from a, a supposedly higher level. Um, and to be fair to those teams, most of them did show that they were a higher level in terms of organisation and um, team ethic and all that type of stuff that you wanted from them. So. I think for me it was about showing our guys the level that we needed to be at. Um, I think it was great, like Connor said, having lots and lots of players down for pre-season um, and for the friendlies and stuff like that. And it probably did work rotational to an extent, but <clears throat> you know, it's the it's the difficulty of football at our level is that. You, you saw it's it's sort of everything's got to be cloak and dagger with your selection because as soon as someone thinks that they're not in the first 11, nine times out of ten, they'll go. You know, you, you can't, it's not like we're paying them to stay around, they're paying to compete. You know, and I think that, yeah, that that's for me to manage, but that's just one of the difficulties people probably don't think of is that, you know, everyone's pay everyone who is paying their, um, <clears throat> subs each month, then they deserve a little piece of the pie. Obviously, once you get into competition and stuff like that, it, it tends to settle down a little bit, but I don't think that's settled down at the moment yet. And that's, um, that's my fault. That's well, not my fault, I suppose. It's, it, it's my decisions to pick the players who are on the team and the formations that we need to do it. And it's just difficult with so many people, even when you pick your 16 on a Saturday. I'm really, really conscious that there's maybe nine, ten lads who aren't involved. Sorry, I'm waffling on here, aren't I? No, not at all. Who aren't involved on the day. But there's also five who are standing there on the subs line. Every one of them probably thinking they can be the difference in that game. And, you know, and sometimes that prompts you to make substitutions that you may not have done um, if that wasn't the case. But there you go. Well, JD, you're you're getting old now. You've you've had plenty of pre seasons. Um, from a player's perspective, particularly, it's 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 a no win situation. I mean, yours very Bielsa like, and for that, I, I love him equally as much as Bielsa. Um, sort of blames himself for the fact that you're juggling lots of players and you can't keep everyone happy. But you always get that every year with a pre season, don't you? I thought to myself. Is that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. 
that because there is so many players for pre-season, there's that much variance to get that consistency with your starting eleven, and you don't have to build any momentum. So it's tough to hit the ground running in, in some ways because you have to change so many players. I'd say starting eleven as you never play the same team twice anyway, but know that basic shape and the expectancy of who's going to play where. It's difficult. So I think that after a few games that we, we tend to we tend to start slow in a lot of our seasons and then we build our momentum once we get going. Hopefully probably right to the in that corner soon. You need to like, you need to make all those substitutions but it's probably I don't know positives and negatives to it. Well, I mean, we'll come to games in a in a second because I mean, for me, I'm nowhere near pushing any panic buttons at the minute, and I'll probably explain my logic in a second. But Connor, it it, it does tend to be a case that you start a a, a new season with a shed load of players because you've obviously got the previous season's lads plus a new batch of people, and and the irony is that over the course of a season actually people will get a lot more opportunities than they realise because as you go through the season, injuries, availability, um, what for whatever reason, you do actually need a squad of sort of 24, 25 lads because for most weeks, bar probably that first month in every season, you do have sort of 10 lads missing for one reason or another. Yeah, yeah definitely. It- even from the first week, I think, and the second game, Jay was away. It's just an example, isn't it? You know, people go away and people have work straight away and stuff. Once you get a couple of injuries, it's amazing how many players you need. But then at the same time, you can understand why people get, you know, annoyed with it and, and think these jackets in because, as Yoz says, they might think, I'm not getting paid, so I'll go and play somewhere else. But you know, everyone who's not, if you're not in a team, if you if you work hard in training and put the effort in, you know, there's you're only maximum a couple of weeks away from a chance. And if the team if the team's winning, then you know, fair enough. But everyone knows we haven't had the best start, so there should be a lot of encouragement for people to still push for places. Really, I think. Well, let's move on then to the start of the season because, quite frankly, from a results perspective, we're probably quite keen to just forget September ever existed. Uh, But as I mentioned a moment ago, I'm not personally pushing any panic buttons because we've we've played FC Bootle, Heswell and Poulton Victoria. Now, if you take FC Bootle last year, they finished by far and away the champions of their division and currently sit top of the table with four wins out of four. Uh, We, in my opinion, we... We're unlucky to lose to them. It was just a couple of switch-off moments, and perhaps not getting the rub of the green with finishing that meant that we didn't we didn't at least get a draw, if not a deserved win on that. Heswell, we were probably the better team overall. Um, they're currently sitting joint top with four wins in four. Last year they reached two cup finals, one of which was the Cheshire County Cup final, and narrowly missed out on promotion. For, for reasons which I won't go into about points, deductions and allocations, etc. Because you've heard me moan about that again. So we were unlucky there. And I guess of those three, only really Poulton Victoria was a bad performance. But you do get that from time to time and, and it happens. So 
I mean, I don't know how you feel about yours, but for, for me, the played three, loss three doesn't perhaps properly reflect the start to the season and maybe we will beat ourselves up about it more just because we don't like losing. My thoughts on the first three games were um, first game, Bootle, in all of the three games, by the way, after 15, 20 minutes, if not longer into them, I looked at it and thought, I just can't see us losing these games. Um, the first game against Bootle, I thought, yeah, they were, we, were, uh, we were a bit sloppy with our passing out from the start. Um, and then we started to panic. We made an error. We let a ball go through us and went one behind. And then instead of sort of um, just getting ourselves back together and playing our game again, we just went to try and force it and force it and force it. And then every time we tried to force it and rush it, well, not every time, most of the time, we, we were just giving it away again, sort of giving them a bit of a momentum, you know. Um, so I, I, I was disappointed in that. And that, that stemmed for me in our quality from passing out to the back. But also, um, I, I'm what a, a lot of people won't think about in games, or they will, maybe they will, I don't know, is the mistakes that happen in front of defence and the back three or four. So, you know, when we're playing balls into midfield or into attackers, if, if they're giving it away and the ball's not sticking and we're not getting to build up um, moves, then that that is also as bad to me as a defender or a goalkeeper making an error. But the problem for those lads at the back is that nine times out of ten, if they make a mistake, um, it leads to a goal or, a goal, or at least a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, second game, Heswell, uh, I thought we... Again, started a little bit slow. We got some joy, but most of it was long balls um, that we didn't really take advantage of. Um, but then at half time, um, I think we just we took over the game there. We really did take over the game. I think Pez coming on on the left helped because it gave us a platform to hold the ball, which meant that Connor and Danny could get involved and um, Carl on the 10 got involved in it. Jack could get round and the defence could push up a little bit. Um, and Sam Dicko's runs were just unbelievable that day. He, uh, the lad was so unlucky not to get a goal as, as we were not to get at least a point of us. Um, sorry, there's my phone going. It's probably, uh, that's, your, that's your agent. My <laughs> agent. Um, so, and then we go into Saturday's game uh, and it, I'll go back to what I just said a couple of minutes ago. I would guess that most people came off that pitch. And I know the lad himself did, even though I haven't spoken to him, thinking that um, Dylan cost us that game because he made it, you know, a bad mistake for the first one. The lad nipped it off his toe, went in, finished it really, really well. The second one, he's left the middle. Um, so left the player on mark. And Jack could have pushed him out wide, maybe. Um, and then, you know, the lad's finished it smartly and stuff like that. We've only got losing 2-1, but you know, I, I know the type of lad Dylan is, and I'm not saying everybody else isn't like this, but well, I know he'll be absolutely gutted. But my point is, I guess most people will come off the pitch thinking we lost that game because of Dylan. You know, in the other 88 minutes plus injury time, think about how many 
people didn't show for the ball or how many times people didn't show for the ball, how many times people showed for the ball but we didn't find them with the pass, and how many good chances we missed, how many half chances we missed. And that's an overall picture for me. The, the guy that makes a mistake, yeah, he's made it twice and I'll have that in his ear, but what I was after with the way I was talking to players after the game and again at training last night was it's not just that because potentially if we've got everything mostly right for the rest of the game we possibly could have been four or five up so then he's less likely to make a mistake because we're not under that pressure anyway or one of the defenders is less likely to make that mistake so it's the whole picture for me you know and I don't think we're far away I think we're nearly I think people are a bit free, feared and fearful and frightened of making a mistake. Um, and I think that's just making people maybe make decisions that they wouldn't normally make. Um, and, and that's my viewpoint on it. I know we've got a great set of lads. Um, I know I've got no doubts that at some point we'll get it right. Um, but it's the table doesn't bother me at the minute, and it never really does, to be honest with you, because it, it, that just rolls on until the end of the season and it tells the story of whatever it is. It's it's more the performance, the way the lads are interacting with each other and all that type of stuff that's important to me. And if you get me by a better team, um, I can at least go home, good because we lost, but happy with the application and the way performance does and I know Saturday didn't give me that warm feeling because there's just too many that weren't it. And that's why I've started to question character. Uh, Connor, from a player's perspective, what 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 are your thoughts about the start and what's what's the feeling amongst the, the players themselves that perhaps me and Yoz don't get an understanding of because we're 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 not in and amongst it? Um respect like a training last night. Me, Nat and Jay, and we were just like, I said, we both, me and Nat kind of looked at each other like, what's going on? Like, you know, we're just thinking, what is it that's that's not quite gone right? And I was saying after the game on Saturday, he got home and said we lost again. He's like, what's going on? Like, I'll be lost. And you try to explain that game. And it's a bit like you said, there's so many different factors in it. There were people who weren't um, up for it as much as them. They, they, he lost tackles, lost battles, definitely. Um, there was mistakes, no doubt, for the goal. It felt like, it feels a little bit like at the minute, every time we make a mistake, we get punished. Um, but we're not punishing the other team. And then, the, like, when then you watch the highlights, and when I watched the highlights, it was like watching a completely different game from the one I remember playing. And I didn't realise we'd had that many chances. Um, and then you start thinking, well, we should have won, but at the time you felt like we deserved to lose because we weren't really in the game and didn't play as good as we could have. But if you then extend that to Heswood, did they have many other chances apart from the one they scored? Not that I can remember. And we've had a lot of chances and penalties. It didn't. I know it's easy to whine about it, but we're again. I think we we we're getting harshly <coughs> treated. When, because of the way that the other teams are just scoring the odd 
the odd goal here or there, and then hanging on and sitting. And Heswell just sat in once they got the goal. They they did not want to play at all and hung Can on. Just ask what what our attitude been like? Have we believed that we're going to win a game? I think I felt we were dead confident first game as a like in, amongst the squad as you're warming up and everything. Second game, yes. I I didn't feel that we were that confident going into the, the Saturday, to be honest. The way way I sensed the team. I don't know why other people were. But people just a bit quieter. And someone said it last night about how quiet we were in the game. It's a bit quieter in the warm-up. And just those little things you sort of sensed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I guess, you know, it's because... Maybe people are thinking we've lost two. There's like we said before, there's nine over ten players in the squad. They're starting to thinking, oh, a bit nervous. I'm making a mistake and gonna lose my place. And you know, it just doesn't breed confidence. Losing three games, does it? But I just we just need. I think we just need to. It's cliche in it, but you just need to get one under your belt, and then the confidence will come from there. Because we could have very easily, looking back, we could have won any of those three games. Yeah, I mean, I just. Through past experience, I don't think many teams beat our, beat us. We tend to beat ourselves during games. Yeah. Well, well uh, Johnny, it'd be really interesting to get your thoughts about it because your understanding of the games will largely be through the match highlights that you're able to watch on our chess channel uh, on YouTube, uh, Shameless Plug. Uh, now, I do... I do. I hold my hands up. I have responsibility for the camera, and from time to time, either technology lets me down or there is a distraction that means. Don't be that... too harsh on yourself, there, Mark. You got one of <laughs> one of Brownie's shots. <laughs> Did you like you, that? Pan, you panned up to an aeroplane. Well, meant to message you and say, "Well done," because that didn't half take the piss. It was brilliant. Well, uh, t- t- to add some context to that, um, Pez and Nat have previously done, and I think Danny Mull have done similar shots like that, and I've done the pan up to to show how outrageously off target it was. And so I did did feel that when Brownie did the same, it warranted the equal uh, reaction. But I do miss the odd goal um, because of uh, technology not keeping up with me. because we use the same camera to do photos and film, and if I do a burst of photographs, it's still processing that and won't let me start the video. So if then something happens as a goal malfaction, I'm desperately, frantically pressing record, and nothing's happening. But as a general rule, I'm not. I, when you see those highlights, I don't. I haven't missed a huge amount. So what you see there in terms of numbers of chances for both sides is largely what happened on the game. I've, I've not I've not edited that particularly to be Chesh-centric yeah. because I'd, I'd actually we're as keen to get other teams to watch our highlights as we are then because, of course, it's extra audience. So from that perspective and with that context, what have your thoughts been? Pretty much what led me to ask about the belief because we've had more than our fair share of chances and share of possession and threatened in the opposition's half and the fact that we're not turning that into game wins makes me ask why or why are we not getting the finishes, why are we not creating the correct type of chances why aren't we scoring the goals and there's been plenty of chances and plenty of opportunity around opposition areas Um, 
I think I met, men, mentioned in a question the other week, a big takeaway for me is people not attacking set pieces. That's not just because I can write the book on it. It's, <laughs> you see the highlights, you, you see how static people are. And like, people, you see three or four people watching and the one player of the cross comes near, they'll, they'll do an obligatory jump. So uh, that being said, we still get plenty of chances. So I don't think it's a million miles off. That's why I, I touched upon with my question, is it, is it a matter of people believing that we're going to win the game? And that I don't care if we're getting beat now, I still think that we're going to score too. Do, do people have that mentality when they're playing? I mean, and set pieces. I think it's performance, but Yosa mentioned that we could have won all of those games. And that's probably true, that we probably played well. The vast majority of the game, just when it when it's important and it matters. Having really. said that as well, though, sorry, Jay. Um, Jamie Hughes made some brilliant saves in all three games, and was unanimously man of the match on Saturday. Um, and I guess that was partly down to some of the saves he did make, but also partly down to there wasn't many other contenders around. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably harsh on certain people like I was on Saturday there was certain people that I should have mentioned maybe and I sort of put them in the collective of, of questioning character and stuff like that so um, when you when you go back to your highlights Mark and get other teams to watch them I noticed that Bolton Vicks have used some of your edited highlights this week to show um, was the first goal the lad scored um, and some tackles in the midfield and stuff like that. So, you know, the highlights are good, the highlights are good. Um, attitude could be better. I, I get a feeling sometimes that there's a couple of little split camps around the squad. Um, and I think unless unless we can get round that, then I'm going to have to cut what I think the problems are out of that. Um, because um, let's see, let's give an example. Okay, so Dylan Dylan made two mistakes on Saturday. It sounds like I'm being a, a Dylan supporter here. I'm not because as an ex centre back, believe me, I've told him many times the error of his ways and how to go about fixing it. And I will do that again, just like I, I try and do with the other lads who play centre back. Um, but. Dylan made a mistake, two mistakes on Saturday, and we'll probably get panned for it. Now, I've got that feeling that Dylan will probably get panned for that because every time someone else makes a mistake, he's the first one to shout it out across the pitch, having a go at them. So maybe that's a bit of a tit for tat. So, you know, I need to stop that one as well. So I, I do understand why he, he's probably getting it um, or will get it. But also, we need to stop that around the team because there's certain other players that when they make a mistake, you don't get nothing said to them from their peers. You know, there's also we will say, obviously it's my job to point out where we can improve and where we've made an error. So everything I'm saying is not to knock anyone's confidence. It's trying to, um, to get them to not make the same mistakes again. But there are certain lads around the squad who seem to have a get-out-of-jail-free card with everything they do, you know. Um, and 
we just can't. Personalities will always clash. You'll always get people in every walk of life that don't get on a hundred percent. But you've got to get over that. And I think that's one of our biggest problems at the minute. Basically, every time someone made an error or could have maybe done something better, there was a comment from at least one of them on how shit it was and how much better they could do. Um, And we all might have thought that through various games about different people and players. But said it in the right way at the right time and maybe in the right place. Apart from lefty, obviously, who just I suppose, in, in fairness to Lefty, he's indiscriminate with his barbs. <laughs> uh, well, no, no, I, I disagree with that as well because even Lefty will never ever criticise Dude. And Dude is another one of those people that never ever really gets any stick for giving the ball away. And that's okay. Might be because he scores a lot of goals for us as well. And he's an absolute lunatic. Um, but everybody needs telling at some point, you know. And training last night, I'm actually in the middle of the pitch being a really bad referee. But also talking to lads as the game's going on. And I'm, I'm talking to Kieran. I'm talking to Jack Newton. I'm talking to Nathan at times, um, etc. about how quiet you are. You're standing there and you've got two against one as a defender. You're not calling other players in. You're not seeing a pitcher build up. So there'll be loads of space down the left, but you won't call anyone in to sit in. Um, Lads are getting balls played into them in the midfield and Connor will know all about this. As will Pez, Danny Moore and the lads in there. There's no turn, there's no time, there's no man on, there's no layer off. You know, and just those basic things are... I think people I'm are scared to, to tell do. people, but yeah, yeah. But one of them was also dude, uh, you know, and he, he he come on. He was late from work and stuff like that. He comes up and dude's dude tries to take an extra player on round the box when he's probably got two players to lay it off to, loses it or half loses it and then stops. And I said to him, "Stay, you know, you'd have just carried on running there and challenged the defender. Maybe he'd just boost the player or panic or lost it." Whatever, but because you stopped, that gave him loads of time to come out. Then the lads who are in midfield behind you are bollocks, basically. They're stuck because they've got an extra man over who's got possession and runners through them then. So no one exe- no one's exempt from being told he can improve. But yet we all have... The, I suppose everyone's got that. Even lefty will not criticise dude. Most people won't say not to do um, and I do get that to an extent, but there's, there's a few others around the squad as well that that need telling. You know, they're not. This is Cheshire Lions, this is second division, West Cheshire League on a Saturday. It's a great league, it's a great standard, but there's no fucking superstars in that squad. There's no superstars in our team, in our, at our club. That's, I, I think uh, you need that, that bad game where it takes your left back to have a go at the forward because they're not doing the job to sort of get get on board and then get over that hurdle. Unfortunately our left back does it with murderous eyes. He doesn't he don't really <laughs> say anything, does he? He just looks at them and and instills horror for the rest of their lives. Um I mean what sort of vibes 
are you getting con? Uh, are you are you concerned about it? Is it is it something that that is something we can build on, improve? I mean, you mentioned set pieces before, or I think it was JD mentioned set pieces. I mean, I have to be honest. From the Heswell game, I actually had to edit out probably a dozen of our set pieces in the second half because, quite frankly, they were shit. All of them, we either didn't beat the first man, it was too long, it went straight to the keeper, nobody challenged. I mean, we had so many set-piece opportunities. Um, One of them, I think, they scored off, didn't they? Or the yeah. start yeah. of, yeah. came from our corner, and then he went to the other end, we badly defended the corner, and we came somewhere out of the end, didn't he? Yeah. Do we have that ownership on the pitch? Where if someone crosses the ball and nobody attacks it, are they turning them around asking the question, why did you not do that? I need you I to do this. Do so. I don't no, think yeah. so. I, whether I'm right or wrong, and I'm hogging this a lot, I know, because I basically want to get as much information out of the players as I can, and hopefully they'll listen, they'll listen to it. Not just you, Con, because you're here, or, or Johnny or Mark, to be quite honest with you, but, you know, there's no... I feel like I'm at a stage now where I'm having to give people basic instructions on how to communicate, where to move, how to pass to each other. And I don't know whether that's just me reading it wrong or whatever. But I'll give you an example, okay? And this is this is something that's in my head now, I have to say to Danny Moore and anybody else I ask to go on the goalkeeper, is that when you're in front of the goalkeeper, your objective is to try to block the ad, not foul him, but um, within the rules of the game, try to block his path to come out and clear the ball. And we're just sort of standing there like the totem pole, you know, like the training things that the lads have. And I'm like, hang on, you know, just move a little bit to your left or your right, you're making it too easy. And that, that key day keeper on Saturday looked like he was um, a very experienced lad and he done really, really well, especially on crosses. Um, but I don't think we put him under pressure from in terms of blocking the space that he was going to attack. And we also, I don't believe, put him under pressure for attacking the ball um, with people that we had in the box either. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, does that sound right, Con, or... Am I reading that wrong? Or what? That sounds right, and I haven't seen a game. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think set pieces haven't, haven't been great at all. Um, a lot of, I mean, the goal, the one Ezra scored from was a corner I took that you know got cleared. It was a oh, terrible shameless goal. claim there. Yeah, I know, it, I know. It <laughs> I didn't want to mention it, but that's happened from more than just that one corner. And then know, even, even when the corner didn't miss the first man at the near post, he still went the other end and aimed the corner themselves. Yeah. And he still didn't defend that corner. So, you know, a lot of every people might look back and go, fucking hell, on a shit corner there. But why didn't we stop it? Why did we let the winger run from inside his own half all the way to the edge of our box where we've had to clear it out for a corner? Why haven't we... Um, Hulton Vicks were doing it on Saturday and not for one minute suggesting that we should break the rules. But a foul on the halfway line is a lot easier to defend than letting an attacker run to the edge of your box. And 
that's yeah. what part of what I'm saying at the end is we've got a load of really nice, lovely lads. And Mourinho said it on the documentary. Sometimes you have to be a bastard for 90 minutes to win a game. Mm. And we just need that little bit of bastard. But the problem I've got, or we've got, I think, is that some of the people we've got who are capable of being a, a bastard for 90 minutes are more likely to go into... Um, Fucking hell, an absolute lunatic and get sent off within yeah. 10 seconds. You know what I mean? They'll go over that edge. We can't, it's sort of one extreme to the other. There's no middle ground with it, or well, there's very little. I must admit, you're finding some middle ground with some of your yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, we, we actually, I mean, we had the benefit of the wonderful Stevie Stewart as our pre-season referees for most games. And uh, I don't think, I think you were, you are on your jollies at the time, yours, but Connor, I think you were there uh, when we had an inter-house game right at the very end of the pre-season. And at half-time, uh, Mr. Stewart came over to give you all a bollocking because he'd given a, a handball penalty under the new rules, yeah. which of course have been nice and controversial in the Premier League. And I can imagine they're going to be just as bloody controversial at our level. But he'd given a, a penalty and uh, sent one Dan Smith off to the sim bin for being uh, dissentful. Is that a word? I'm going to make it a word. Um, and and Pez, Pez could have also followed him for kicking the ball away in them frustration. And he came over at half-time and said that we are, as football players, probably one of the most talented squads he'd seen at this level. But from a mental standpoint, we're, and I, I'm paraphrasing his exact words here, we are weak as fuck um, and have a, a tendency to beat ourselves more often than the opposition. How do you deal with How do you solve that problem? We've always been like that. Like a game of Kaplunk, like just one thing goes, and then all the marbles fall. Like, and people just start arguing at themselves. I don't, I don't I think like we've ever marble. had that many marbles, JD. <laughs> <laughs> one marble just bouncing up and down. <laughs> Psychological, isn't it? Um, the brain processes nearly 10,000 visual and oral cues per minute. As first impressions stick, make the customer see your business in the right way. Funky Vibes can ensure your vibes attract the right tribe with their marketing expertise, graphic design, bespoke websites, and social media packages. For more information or a no-commitment initial consultation, simply email your tribe at funkyvibe.co.uk. I'm shifting the order around, really, because I normally leave this to the end, but on Saturday we've got South Sefton uh, away, which is a, a bloody difficult match to follow up on the back of three straight defeats. Uh, we we narrowly won with probably one of the most entertaining slash exhausting games I've ever seen at grassroots level with a 6-5 win at home. Uh, we got absolutely panned 5-2 away in the cup. Um, they are currently sitting fourth in the league, but that's with the game in hand. They've played three and won three. They have those two lads up front, one of whom I think his name's Barnes, who is a... Uh, Probably 
well, he's he's a fantastic player. I mean, he's a, a lethal forward. Um, is that a good thing or a bad thing, Yoz? Is it good to have a tough opponent to try and put things right, or would it be perhaps better to have a, an easier uh, match-up to perhaps get that one under the belt that Connor was talking about? Um, well, interestingly enough, I was looking at our fixtures for October, which came out. Well, I only looked at seeing them yesterday, but we may have been out earlier. Um, and I don't think there's an easy game in this division, if I'm honest. Um, I'd rather... Well, no, not I'd rather. I, you know, South Sefton are a good side. They've got some good players. Um, they've got some quick players and they've got a couple of guys who can finish the ball. Finish the ball into the net if we if we allow them the time and space, as proved. It's um it's a tight little pitch. Times have been down there to it. It's been quite boggy and stuff like that. Connor, you remember that the cup game especially. I think it's really boggy. You yeah. Pass, get any passes together. But um, do you know what? I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to the challenge because. Like I said to the lads last night, after the game Saturday, I was just totally devastated. I think I sat in the club till about half nine when Andy's missus come to pick us up. Just got smashed. I and missed I that. Happy. The club, not yeah. Andy's missus. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Norman's a great game, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm said about, I must have spoke about five words. Sunday, not much better. Um, started to think a little bit forward on Sunday afternoon, but then I'm thinking, like I said to the lads last night, it, it's part of my role is to pick things up and move it forward. So if I don't feel confident going into the next game, then how are they going to feel confident about themselves? And I'm mm. really confident about the players that we've got. I'm really confident about the squad that we've got. And I know on our day, we can at the very minimum match any team in our division. I know that. And what I'm looking forward to is I'm looking forward to the challenge that I'm going to set them and South Sefton are going to set them in terms of application, um, ability and character. Are, are they going to listen to what was said last week, pay lip service to it um, and not take any action about it? And are they going to go, hey, do you know what? My character... I could build on that, or maybe I've let it slip, or I'll show him. And like I've said to you all along, I've said to the subs every game, there's nothing better I'd like than at the end of the game, you all come off and go, you're not going to drop me next week, you fat bastard. You got that wrong. But not many have proved me wrong so far. I, I, want, <laughs> I, I want to be wrong if I leave you out. And I, I've got 100% confidence in all of those lads that will be in that squad on Saturday, that they will go and give South Staffan a tough game and hopefully we'll get our just desserts out of it. Amen, brother. Amen to that, yours. Uh, Con, <laughs> are you after a hat-trick of yellow cards? Because last season we introduced what was called the first round, which uh, Perry Hughes, who yeah. actually still owes for the first round, doesn't he? We introduced a competition where... Never goes the bar. Well, the last, the last player to pick up a booking or a sending off in the season had to buy the spotter round of drinks, and uh, Pez finished with his uh, last-minute sending off against Rain Hill. 
because of course the season was curtailed so nobody else had a chance of uh, getting themselves in the book uh, it's safe to say con that you are streaks ahead at the moment in the uh, first round competition for this season uh are, are we after yeah. a hat trick yeah you do bucky's favorite just want to get a drink in really any excuse you know it is that used to be i used to be like a bit of a gary lineker i didn't think i got booked till i was about I honestly don't think I got booked till I was maybe 18, 19, and it was for dissent. <laughs> it was like a really bad booking. But you just get a bit older and cynical, don't you? But, like, you know, the one it has was a, was a booking all day long, like, no problems with that. And then I didn't think the bottle, the bootle one was, was as bad. And then I came off and someone said it should have been a red. So <laughs> you can't really complain with either of them. <laughs> yeah. just, they were just competitive tackles, I think, because you're not that kind of a player, are you, really? Um, no. You played you in the... Are, That's a myth. You never <laughs> are. Until you've got six stones down your Achilles. Uh, <laughs> or with CP initials on the bottom of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you played in last last season's away game uh, at South Sefton. Uh, what do you remember of that team in particular that we perhaps need to focus on addressing this time round? What did we do wrong that we can put right this time? Um, I actually said it at training last night. I didn't realise we were playing them until you said, and then as we were training, I was thinking back to the game. So I remember rightly, they got two lads who were quick up front and... Uh, we always play a high line, and, and it, I felt that it wasn't the best idea against them. And if I remember rightly, I actually scored an own goal. <laughs> um, the cross came in, and I tried to block it, and it sort of looped in. And I think that might have made it maybe 1-0 or 2-0. And then I remember the second half, <clears throat> us having a lot of the ball but not doing much with us, and them hitting us on the break. So the, the score line was a bit false, really. But it was just about them being quick and quicker than us, really. And I, I felt sorry for the lads who were at the back. I think I can't remember exactly who was playing at the back, but there was one time the ball just got clipped over, and and it, the lad was just a lot quicker. And when you when you're playing with someone with pace, it always gives you a boost because you know you can just clip it in behind and he's going to get there. And when you're playing against pace, it's always like gives you a little check, doesn't it? So I think that's apart from that, I don't remember the been any great shapes and I don't think even those lads are fantastic they just remember them having pace on the break and it catching us out because we were chasing a game really that's what I think I that's what Stan was talking about earlier though that that begins higher up the pitch so it becomes it comes down to your discipline of are your yeah. forwards going to press so that they yeah. can't make that pass and it does yeah I, I think it, does. That it seems a lot of it just needs to be at people's application just needs to step up definitely and I think I, when yours put in the group about Fulton Vicks having so many under-19s, I can imagine their mentality being, right, we're really up against it today. We've got a load of kids who are coming and trying to make a name for themselves. And that's why you can almost see why they were so committed at times. I think it's better to have a challenge and have something that's easy to get yourself up for that. So and I'm not saying there is any easy teams, but if, if we were going to turn up against a really crap team on Saturday... I don't think we'd raise our game anywhere near as good as we will against the top side of the team that haven't lost yet. So I think it's it's he's going to give everyone who's got it, as Johnny says, has got to put their application in. And if they played in that game last time, they should be remembering that right, if we're not at the races today, we, we could get beat here. So that should give everyone a good kick. Like. 
if you remember the game, Paul, <clears throat> the first half was actually pretty even in terms yeah. of the possession and stuff like that. In fact, we had a few half chances with Tom's pace up front. Mm. Um, and we lost the goal. I can't remember how. But then we gave two stupid goals away just before half-time. I think we yeah. were 2-1 down before half-time, approaching half-time. And in the last five minutes of half-time, we gave two silly goals away, um, which was so frustrating. And that's why we were so open second half. You're yeah. right, we did have more or less all the possession from, from memory, but we just we couldn't we couldn't finish anything anyway. So and they could just capture us on the break with it. Uh, what do you from a, a tactical perspective, yours, and obviously I'm not expecting you to, to unveil your tactics in advance of a game on air so that the world can hear, but what what goes through your head when you have someone like this Barnes lad up front? Who who is that? I mean, he, he scored a hat-trick in the first game against us. He scored four goals against us in the second game. He's got bags of pace. He's good in the air. Do you do, you do a man-marking job on someone like that? Or do you do you just accept he's going to be a pain in the ass? have a bit of trust in the ability of the, the lads who are going to be responsible for picking him up and, and perhaps set your stall out to make them more worried about us? I think, well, what actually what's just gone through my mind, Mark, is to keep an eye on him as he's coming out of the changing room. And just <laughs> treat with him. And then make sure he's injured and can't play, and then someone else can run the team. But um, no, seriously, I don't I don't think we've got um, the personnel to do a man marking job. And I also feel it would affect the rest of the team if we tried to do it that way. Things I've been thinking about since um, Sunday when I come out and we lost home, if you like. Um, yeah, it's getting myself sacked and Kate's taking over the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I think most of the lads would. Well, no, that's because then Pez and Johnny are going to be up front, aren't they, with the all the corners and the captain bands and stuff? No, she'd, she'd never bring Johnny back from Ireland. I would. <laughs> so, you know, some of the things I've thought about are... The last two games we've gone with a, a back four. Um, and the first game we went to a back three. So do we go back to a, a back three with maybe a bit of pace in between the two centre-halves? Do we go with the what was considered the ball-playing back three, which I didn't start in the first game? Um, will the pitch be up for playing a ball-playing back, ball back three? Do we play with someone in front of the back four, you know, like a holding player. Um, you know, it's those type of things that, that I've got into me that I've, I've been thinking about. But it's, you know, you can you can think about any permutation you want. At the end of the day, if you make it busy down the middle, then their lads are going to pull out wide, so the fullbacks have got to do a job. Um, and as both lads have just previously said, if we don't apply any pressure to the ball higher up the pitch, then basically it's it's just like a it's like a clay pigeon shoot, isn't it? Sooner or later they're going to hit the ball because they'll have that many opportunities. Because percentage, even if they're really really crap with the ball percentage wise, if they hit that many, something's going to give, isn't it? You know. So the key for me is is getting higher up the pitch, um, making sure we've got a bit of pace, a bit of legs around our back four. 
and making sure we've got pressure on the ball. Because don't forget, we've got pace in our team as well. Mm. So, you know, we, we, we've got strengths. It's not all about nullifying them because sometimes if you use the strengths that we've got or potentially have got in terms of players with pace, keeping hold of the ball. Because if you keep hold of the ball for long periods of the game, it doesn't matter how good the opposition are. Because you haven't got it to do anything with, have you? It's most of our, um, most of what hurts us is when we don't take enough care with the ball. Most of the time, off in the forward positions, um, or further up the midfield positions, it, it's very rare we get done with something, um, from a from a, a really good build-up, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's that's done. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's normally mm. an error higher before that leads to a goal for us and it's normally higher up the path because we haven't took we haven't made the right decision with the pass or the movements we haven't found the pass or something like that um, and they're the things we've just got to get smarter with and then everything else after that is if you do make a mistake which we all we're all going to make a mistake how do you react to that so how we react to that is by first and foremost when we're going forward, we make sure we've got good cover on with legs to make sure we can deal with it if one of the lads are in a forward position and loses possession for whatever reason. Then secondly, um, we've got players in an interim position, which is why I was saying to Connor this season, and it's not just about Connor, is make sure we've got someone in and around the edge of the box so we haven't got a free reign to run out with the ball, but also if they're breaking out with the ball, let's defend a free kick by the pitch. Let's defend mm. a free kick on the halfway line. Let's not be clever with the ball if we're facing our own goal or and try and keep possession and turn and get back at them. Let's put it out. Let's be safe and defend it. You know, it's it's all that intelligence. Um, that's your game plan for when things break down. And that's part of why we've suffered, I think, in the first few games. JD, um, I mean this with all the love and the respect um, I can muster in the world and certainly as someone who suffers from the same uh, ills of a lack of pace, uh, natural pace. Um, how, how did you used to deal with players who had perhaps half a yard on you in terms of speed? Uh, because you're, you're quite an intelligent lad. Anticipation. You said I'm not I'm not that quick, but I never used to get done much for pace. So I don't I don't think it's an outright threat. It's gonna hurt you if like I said before, if you're not putting pressure on the ball and it's gonna I think it, it eventually weighs you down that way. I don't think that people are likely to do Dylan over the top because he's got big long legs. It's when we are picking up runners and they'll they'll overload an area and you can't recover against the quick lad so it's not that he's going to have a straight foot race more that once you once you make that mistake of not tracking your man you can't recover that back so I think it's it's playing with an intensity and making sure you're always in the right position mm. and you don't switch off mentally which from what it sounds like, people have been losing possession and shrugging the shoulders and not doing the team game. So, I don't know, it's, it's, not, it's not too easy to, to, to fix, but 
also not a million miles away, if not. No, no, it's not a million miles away. You're talking minute detail, that's hated, but that's what's going to hate us if you want to play at a good level. Um, and I'll, I'll go back, and I'm not the old CNI, by the way, but just my opinion on stuff. It happens to matter because I'm the fat guest who picks the side, so people best listen. But for my thing on marking someone who's quite quick is to always be within within an arm's width of the way through. Yeah. Make sure you're tight, but also you can't do that unless the lads around you are going to get cover on. So yeah. you've got to make sure you've got cover. I'm going to get tight up his ass and arm's width away. I've got to force him back. I haven't got to pinch the ball. I haven't got to steal it off him. All I've got to do is force him away from my goal. And then I'm reliant on the other lads around me to make sure that if he does turn me or he does lay it off, then the space I've left is going to be covered. Um, but the other thing I was going to say was, um, and it's, it seems to have happened the last couple of last season as well, is our lads, especially our defenders, if we're in a panicky situation, we feel we've got to hit the ball into outer space. Um, you know, and Dylan tried it with his the first goal. Is miscontrol, miscontrol. The lads nicked in, but Dylan swung his leg that far back that he'd have connected. He'd have probably took out the space station <laughs> if he'd have connected with that ball. When all it really needed was a, a toe out, you know. And and Jack did it in training last night. And I'm saying to him, look, you don't have to. All you have to do is play the danger area. Because they're trying to hit it into orbit, your golf swing is going back too far. You know what I mean? And it, all it has to do be is a pitch. It's just a, a little wedge out of the way, isn't it? You know. I think Brownie had already taken out the space station with that shot against yeah. Eswell. <laughs> Possibly, mate. Yeah. Possibly. Uh, so, um, all right. Well, moving moving on to um, uh, the last bit, which is some news that we've got around the club. We always like to keep people updated um, about what's going on. We've we've been doing quite a lot of ground developments, haven't we, Yoz, um, in one form or another? It's been a, a busy, busy place. Yeah. You, men- you mentioned during the lockdown, everything got an, a lick of paint, which was through the fantastic contributions and hard work of the lads. Um, the bush, the ball bush of death, has uh, has gone for the time being. Uh, so that that took some shifting, didn't it, Con? I think you you had to get all your your petrol gear out, your uh, your streamers. Yeah, did it not? Couldn't, I couldn't get couldn't get it going. He was left it, which I Ross had one. Um, and I've dropped it back off at my dad's now. He's not happy, but <laughs> he, thinks, he thinks I broke it. He thinks I've. Used it and broke it. Like I genuinely couldn't get it going. Like so. And I'm sorry, but, yeah. Mr. Mr. Portis's dad. It didn't <laughs> work when we got it out the car. It never even cost and spluttered, mate. <laughs> A bit like your son on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> um, so we, we've done that. We 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 got a new TV gantry. I got a new TV gantry. It's the Pollard Tower. So when you're watching your our match highlights at home. You're, uh, you'll no doubt be seeing that the uh, the views slightly better, and there's fewer bald heads uh, that get in the way of my camera. And I've obviously muted it for for language reasons, but uh, you now can't hear me constantly saying "lefty, get out of me shot, please." Uh, so <laughs> that was fantastic. That that looks great. Uh, but we've got some more stuff, haven't we, yours? We we've just had a a container, a changing room container delivered. 
Um, yeah, we have. Okay, so going back a step then, the uh, ball bush of death. Um, we go back to pre-season for those who were there. Jack Johnson um, decided to try and clear the ball over the houses near the end of the game and that ball just disappeared. Um, um, me and Lefty amongst other people spent evenings, not just after that game, but <laughs> evenings through the week trying to find that no chance. Um, left Me, Lefty and Dude first started to attack that bush um, and then in the following week to 10 days um, you know a good slice of the lads had a, a good go at it um, Pez, Connor, Leon Lefty again Jack Jono, Dylan Jack Newton, Danny Moore if I've missed anyone else I'm really sorry but tough shit but you know, <laughs> I hope the lads had a, a good go at getting rid of that and as you can see now, it's down to um, basically stumps sticking out of the ground. And the good news is, which is breaking news for um, Chess TV, is that I spoke to a contractor today who wants to come down and have a look at it and uh, thinks he may be able to remove all them in whatever form. And wow. he's going to do that for free for us. Fantastic. Fab. That's amazing. Because um, yeah. you can see on social media the pictures about the sheer size of the the bush. I mean, you didn't. I don't think I quite realised how big the bugger was until you could see where you'd mounded up all the cuttings that had been taken I, away. Listen, for those who used to watch Celebrity Juice, it's as bad as what Keith used to say. Hollow Willy Boobies was. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that that's that's clear now. And, you know, hopefully within the next week we'll finish that off and get the all the stumps cleared um, for safety reasons more than anything. I'm, I'm not so much concerned about our lads because I think even they've got a sense not to be close to that. But I'm just thinking about younger people, kids and stuff playing on there. Yeah. Um, and then, as Mark said, we've, um, we've managed to purchase a, a new container, or new to us anyway, second-hand container, which we're going to use as a change of room for the ref and some additional toilet facilities um, for women and children and things like that, which is really, really good. Again, we've got, um, we managed to get another contractor, um, electrical contractor called Colliers, who supplied the electrical cable for that tree. Um, our lads, Danny, Mull and Toddy, on Saturday, fix the cable into position, um, and colleagues are going to come back one more and next week and connect up the power to that. Supply the um, certification all free again, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, and then once we put the power in it, we can basically then start to refurbish the inside and, and the outside, you know, and just make it look a little bit more loved, I suppose. And the the ultimate aim is to to knock through the home change room into what is currently the referee's room, isn't it? Just to make that area a bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. We want to make the changing rooms in there. Um, you know, there's a lot of clubs that have probably got, not got the facilities we've got. So, um, and that's unfortunate for them. But the changing rooms that we have got were, were built many years ago and funded when there was only 11 players and one sub. So now you've got 11 players and five subs and, um, you know, all the extra equipment that 
people come because lads used to turn up with a pair of footy boots, a pair of skin pads, a towel, and a, um, a pack of cities and matches. And that was the that was the match they did. But now, obviously, there's a lot more to it, you know. And so, bottom line is changed the move needs to be bigger. So that's the that's the end game, if you like. Fantastic, and we've we've got a, an extra ground improvement which will hopefully uh, be put in place very shortly. Which is uh, we're going to have ourselves a stand, aren't we, yours? We certainly are, yeah. <clears throat> we certainly are. I think that's breaking news tonight as well. It is, isn't it? Um, Graham Humphries, who is on the committee for the club, um, works at the. Well, I'm not going to tell you where he works in case you. Anyone wants to find out where we're getting our stuff from. But anyway, <laughs> I the claims name out. And we're, we're obtaining um, a couple of containers that have got no front or some of the front missing. Um, and the idea basically is that we'll have one somewhere around Pollard Tower. Um, and we'll refurb that for spectators. And then the second container will be put in place somewhere over by the club, probably where, somewhere around where they store the, um, the cricket covers now, and that's going to be used for um, outside entertainment, so a little bit of a stage, if you like, for outdoor events during the summer, um, as they did some live events through this summer. So, yeah, it's a lot of good stuff happening around the, um, around the club. So when you come back, JD, you're gonna to have to buy tickets to come and watch us and sit in. You can either you can either pay you can either pay uh, the bog standard prices to sit in the container seats, or you can pay corporate box tickets and come and join me in Pollard Towers. I'll bring my media pass and get in that tower with you. <laughs> just, just a word of Johnny, warning: there is no roof. Johnny, if you come back, love, you're playing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah there's there's loads going on um there's also another thing which um and i don't know how much you're aware of this connor i mean it's obviously been published but we're gonna we're gonna start doing a lot more we uh we we joined up with uh state of mind a mental health charity uh this season um we've partnered up with them uh with the view to running some uh courses for the lads about the importance and how to manage mental health what to watch out for perhaps with your teammates if if you think they're they're struggling and they might need uh, some support about obviously the importance of talking about mental health because of course the 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 old school male macho side of us is just to tend to head down and mouth shut and try and bottle it up um but they're also going to run some first aid courses with us. We're going to do a, a a podcast or a couple of podcasts with some of their professional sports uh, trustees who will talk about how sports and mental health can can work and perhaps help people out. Um, I mean, it, we have within our own group people who've had some trying times this even this last twelve months, and the camaraderie of the lads has has probably been invaluable to them so i guess that this is something that can only be a positive i guess just even if it raises awareness but obviously if it it provides a bit of extra support to people oh yeah definitely um you know 
the highlight of you know being stuck around or whatever was when you're going down and doing a bit of painting or you know doing a bit of the six people and stuff that was like brilliant and everyone said it so yeah great to have them in and you know it's one of those things that no one really if they're being honest likes talking about what they need to talk about you know I mean? so it's uh it's good that they're involved and He's put on the shirt and stuff. Maybe even an, another player you're up against might see it and never know. Might Google it when they get in, see what's going on there. And then if one person does that, it's worthwhile, isn't it? It is indeed. We, we we do have the logo on our sleeve, don't we, Yoz, this year, both for the, the home kit and the away kit. And, of course, we've added a, a second logo to our other sleeve, which I feel is only befitting that you, you tell people about because... Um, it's largely down to the enormous amount of hard work that you do uh, for the cause. Well, thanks for that, Mark. There's no show without punches, I was going to say, if I said it right. But yeah, the other, the other one's teamwork then, isn't it? It's not so much about teamwork on the pitch, but teamwork off the pitch in terms of um, all the guys, um, a lot of people in the club now um, and the cricket team also donate items to take to a local food bank each week. Um, which is absolutely fantastic and um, also we played the Fire Brigade the Major Side Fire Brigade team a couple of weeks ago and they made a, a rather large donation uh, of items towards the food bank as well and it's I think um, I think it's a really good thing to sort of try and teach young people about um, that there's others in society that maybe aren't as lucky as themselves so that's the teamwork side of things. And I think it, it goes hand in hand then with the the other side of things, the state of mind side of things, is that even though the young people that we're trying to influence um, and let them know that there's people struggling out there in society and worse off than ourselves, then also there could be people within our group who maybe aren't as bad off financially in terms of having to use a food bank and stuff like that, but still need support in other ways um, for, you know, for their, their mental health, whatever else is going on a, a, around there in, within their life that's putting pressure on them. And that could easily be football. As much as we take it for granted that we're all go there to enjoy it, but undoubtedly it, it puts us pressure on people because, you know, people don't want to make mistakes. People want to play. People want to do well. People don't want to let each other down. And that, that does have a pressure. It really, really does. So I think what those two projects do, I think they work quite well together, hand in hand with that. Um, and another positive, which again is a, another um, a breaking news item for... What's the hell of yours? You, you're just bringing them right. forward today. Well... <laughs> I was watching the uh, the BBC because they're shy down. So, uh, the cricket team at the Chesh, um, talking to the guy that runs their cricket team on Saturday, and, um, and he, he wants to have a conversation with himself and you, Mark, about trying to get involved more in a lot of the stuff that we're doing in state of mind, team winning, um, stuff around the club, all of that stuff. Um, and it is in his words, he said, you know, he said, him and the lads, majority of the lads from the cricket team, are looking at a lot of the events that we've done over the last 
12 months particularly, but before as well. And I'm thinking, you know what, we can add some value to that. Um, we can support that and we can do more because this is our club as a, you know, Cheshire Lions club. Um, and we should be promoting the club and we should be supporting the um, society around our club. So, you know, I think that's another positive. That's good. That means that what we're doing is having a positive effect on others as well. Yeah, that that is amazing. I mean, if people want to know more about either state of mind or teamwork, if you go to cheshirelinesfc.co.uk, you'll see there's a, a sponsors page and there's a, a page for each of those, which tells you a bit about the projects themselves, gives you some important links to follow up to either find out more information, certainly from state of mind, or if you want to get involved in teamwork, because, of course, this isn't something that we uniquely hold. It's something that we just wanted to use as a, a brand, really, to, just to promote and raise awareness. And if other people pick up that baton themselves, then that's just amazing, isn't it, really? It's just a, a bonus, generally. Um, so I, th I think we've covered most of the stuff. Uh, I, I suppose the only other thing we've got uh, I'll mention quickly is uh, we've got a fantasy league football uh, competition going. Uh, last season, Jordan Scott, do you remember him, Yours? Yes, I do. You remember Jordan Scott, the player? He, he, fabulous player. Uh, he won the fancy league when it was uh, when it came to a, a final conclusion and won himself some club team wear. Um, if you want to join, if you've got a team in the fancy league, then you can join our competition. It carries over your points that you've accumulated to this point, which, unless you've got lots of Leeds players in your team, probably won't be very many points. Um, if you want to enter the code HRNZSA, uh, then you'll be able to get in and uh, you can win yourself some team wear if you finish top. That would be quite nice. Um, listen, I'd just like to clarify with um, talking about Jordan Scott. Terrific player. Really, really good player. Um, great red. Obviously follows God's team and Jürgen's reds. But one terrible person. <laughs> one terrible person, Jordan Scott. So please let them know about this. <laughs> um, right. Well, on that note, controversial note, uh, we'll uh, we'll draw a line to this episode. Uh, boys, thank you very much for joining us. It's uh, it's been great to to air some thoughts. I think uh, hopefully the boys will be able to go in and do us proud on Saturday and get them first points on the board. Uh, JD, we've missed you, mate. It's uh, it's nice it's to see you again. I'd love to be having a pint in the club with you. Uh, again, sales have gone down, Graham said. <laughs> Tell him I'll I come back if you get table service. It's gone down that much. And because you haven't been there for so long, he's talking about removing the bullshit meter. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a few who can take up that mantle. Uh, Connor, thank you very much for joining us, pal. No worries, mate. And, and Gaffer, a pleasure as always, sir. Thank you, Mr. P. Keep right. steering this look away from iceberg, pal. <laughs> uh, and catch us all next time, guys. Bye. Get social at Cheshire Lines FC on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.